welcome to another episode of our SaaS Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ash. This is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you with launch and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Nick, a co-founder of Content Agency. Nick is a talented entrepreneur who resides in the charming city of Amsterdam with his girlfriend and an adorable nine-month-old daughter. After running the agency successfully for several years, Nick made a pivotal decision in 2018 to sell the company and explore the new opportunities as an experienced professional. Nick delved into entering work and business mentoring, making a strong presence on LinkedIn to connect with wider audience. However, he encountered a critical challenge in acquiring new clients for his consulting services. His agency had relied heavily on word-of-mouth marketing drawing needs from friends, family, existing clients, and even competitors. While this approach led to occasional surge in growth, it also subjected Nick's business to the daunting feast and famine cycle, causing considerable frustration. Determined to break free from the cycle and achieve sustainable growth, Nick executed a strategic pivot in 2022. He embarked on a content creation journey to establish a reputable personal brand and showcase his offering to the world. Starting with simple text posts and gradually incorporating visuals and choruses. Nick's content evolved, generating a significant impact on his growth and revenue. This transformative experience led Nick to craft a game changing solution, Content Design Agency. Through this innovative approach, he now creates compelling content that not only captures attention of hundreds and thousands of people on LinkedIn but also consistently generates leads week after week. So I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Nate. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ash. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Do you have a favorite quote, something where you would like to share with us? Yeah. So I have, I have one that always haunts me in a, in a way, and it's like choose what you want most over what you want now. It's kind of like the explanation of how discipline works and discipline is always like the, the fuel of anything that you want to achieve, right? So um, I even consider to have it done as a, as a tattoo and I don't know how I would do it. But um, what resonates with me is like if you want to go to the gym and you want to like gain some muscle or you want to lose some weight, like it's always choosing between going to the gym or like not even eating french fries or fast food because the bigger picture is further away from you. Um, so that's yeah. always uh, a very powerful quote for me. Indeed, indeed. And I, I can resonate with it. So, so tell us about um, Nick and tell us about this uh, content services you provide. What, what does the service and product do? Who is it for? And what's the main problem you're helping to solve? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think it was early 2020. So that's like... Uh, uh, a little more than a year ago, I didn't do anything until then on LinkedIn. Like, uh, and I used to be an agency founder and freelancing, and that was a point that I sort of like pivoted to business mentoring, uh, and I wanted to help other freelancers and solopreneurs, um, uh, like, um, yeah, building an offer, get, like attracting the, the right audience, attracting the right, the right clients. And I thought, okay, this is kind of hard because now I'm pivoting to this new thing and I don't really have a track record in this new business model. I don't have clients. I don't have 
like you know, visibility. Nobody really knew me because I was a lurker for nine years on LinkedIn. I had a, an account, but I thought it was a very intimidating platform with people looking for jobs and um, like CEOs regurgitating blog articles and stuff. And I thought, okay, if I wanted to get myself out there and want to attract clients, I need to need to create some content. And mm -hmm. so I started doing this back in July, I think. And I had about 900 followers and yeah, it was very tough in the beginning. Like I actually thought, okay, I, the, the thing that I'm offering myself, I also need to like prove it that I can do it because it's LinkedIn and that you want to get clients. Mm -hmm. So I completely went all in on this and I learned so much about sales and copywriting. And I also learned that a lot of people struggle with this. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it became like kind of like shaped my business model in a way. Um, and then I got my first clients after a few months and taught them how to also sell their services on LinkedIn and how to write better content, um, like creating a good offer. And that went really well at some point, like after three to six months, uh, better things happened, like got more, more revenue, got better clients. And all of a sudden, my business was already plateaued. So I, I had too many um, people asking for like uh, working together, but I didn't mm -hmm. really have the time. So it was not really scalable. Mm -hmm. And um, I also hit like a revenue ceiling. So a few months ago, uh, I sort of like sh uh, reshaped my business model, my offer to agency founders because I used to be an agency founder myself. So this is like something that really resonates with me. And I talked to a lot of people who said, like, I want to do something on LinkedIn. I don't really know where to start. I don't know mm -hmm. what to write about. And I have this, like, I have this agency and it, it, it's, it's solely, solely relying on uh, word of mouth marketing. And I yeah. need something that I can basically like have a, have an inbound lead generation system on demand, if you will. Mm. Um, so that's my story, my LinkedIn story, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you said that you started in July. Is it this year or last year? Last year, yeah. Oh, okay. It's impressive growth because I when I looked at your uh, LinkedIn profile, you have enormous number of um, you know posts which are going viral. You get so much attention from the very uh, you know prestigious um, executives in different companies. So that's really really impressive. So, so let's talk about whether, when you had this epiphany, did you look at the market where, where there was other agencies doing the similar thing? What was going on at the time? And what did you see from your research that encouraged you to move ahead with this? That, that's a good question. So uh, the, the way that I see LinkedIn, like most people think it's like one big community, but it's like almost a billion users. So it's not just one community, but it's basically like all these small communities that you shape yourself in terms of the people that you start to follow, the people that you connect with, the people that you interact with. So obviously my bubble was all marketeers, like all people who would also uh, sell lead generation services and outbound and email marketing. So I thought, okay, this is pretty co competitive stuff. And I had to look for something that made me uh, um, out, like stand 
stand out of the competition, like distinguish myself. Mm -hmm. And I already learned that my designs, like I have a design background uh, that goes back to like at least a decade, mm -hmm. is that that was my unfair advantage. And then, uh, I think it was Naval Rafi Khan who said, do something that feels like play for you and work for others. And I was already doing a lot of design, visuals, carousels in my content. And that's why I came up with content design. Uh, and content design is a, a way of content marketing. And it's not only just copywriting, but it's also like visually appealing uh, content that with the, with, the, with the sole goal of generating leads. And you know, that, that definitely resonated me with, with a lot of people because I did this pivot uh, content piece about content design. And I already noticed that a lot of people, they, I think they either thought it was already existing and it, it does exist to a certain extent, but it's like a UX uh, kind of category, but I wanted to coin my own category. Mm -hmm. and, and I noticed that a lot of people would uh, uh, already use the term and, I, I think that that was the the, the origination of the um, a new category on LinkedIn was basically born, if you could call it like that. And yeah, yeah that worked well for me. Okay, so 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 do you have a team, or do you do a lot of work yourself, or you have the automation in place? How how does it work? So let's let's rephrase this question. What is a what is the day looks like in Nick's life? How does, what time he wakes up, what does he do in the first one hour and how does it go the rest of the day? Yeah, sure. So I usually get up at six because my, I, have a, I have a baby daughter of 10 months old. So you, she's like my, my biological alarm clock, if you can call it yeah. like that. Um, so I like, I get out of bed, I change her, I feed her and we, uh, and my girlfriend, we spend like 15 minutes in bed. I'll make some coffee and then we wake up with just the three of us, it's really nice. Um, then I get a shower, get the breakfast, and then I start writing content. So uh, I know a lot of people, they, they batch it, they schedule it. I tried it, it's not really my thing. I work better under pressure, if you will. And um, I tend to either repurpose my content or like create something new. And I have like a, like a file, like a content file with all these topics that I could write about. It usually takes me about 30 minutes to one hour to, uh, to create them. Mm -hmm. um, and what, as soon as I post it, usually around nine, I take about an hour to respond to uh, replies and also do some interaction myself. And then I go to, through the DMs to talk to inbound leads and like uh, update my CRM. And... Yeah, and then I do client work for about for a few hours. I usually have like uh, consultation calls or coaching calls, and usually around four or five, I call it a day and uh, spend time with my family or go to the gym. Um, and I work about three and a half days a week, um, mm -hmm. so I can spend more, even more time with my family and do stuff that I like. That's fantastic. That's a really good. Um, that's a really good. Uh, you know, work-life balance you have there because, you know, being a founder, like I have a big community in London where we host events every month, et cetera, for the founders. I see people working more than 12 or 16 hours a day and then, you know, still struggling to make enough uh, generate capital. So two questions. One, 
how do you come up with this spreadsheet which you mentioned about the ideas what is the strategy you use and two which crm do you use i use so the the, the, the crm that i used i um i used to use just trello and now i transitioned to folk because it's really um um how do you say this? Like if you have a, like a lead inbound lead on uh, LinkedIn and they send you a DM, you can um, basically just hit add to folk, which is like an extension. And then it, your CRM is automatically updated with the entire conversation. And then yeah. you can just update your CRM to the next deal stages. And that's what I do on a daily basis. I also have this wait list. Um, initially I had a Calendly link up, but uh, the number of people that put me for an intake call was just overwhelming. So I actually deleted it and I uh, replaced it for a waitlist. Mm-hmm. And this waitlist is a type form and it's uh, connected to my CRM. So I, I created a Zap here, like a Zap. So every submission uh, is automatically pulled up in Folk. And mm-hmm. then I just uh, review them based on if they are the right match in terms of quality, uh, like the chemistry, well, not necessarily chemistry, but the budget, if they have a problem that I can solve if, and if I found the right guy for them. And then I send yeah. them a message and then uh, uh, we, do, uh, we do a call and then, um, yeah, we'll take it from there, basically. Right. And yeah. your, your, first, your, your first question was? The inspiration, the ideas for the content. Right. Yeah, so I initially worked with a content matrix. I did the, like, way in the beginning, I followed the course of uh, Justin Wells, like the content OS, and I sort of created my own version of it. Um, And that's based on, like, I I basically just write about lead generation on LinkedIn. That's basically all the stuff that that I write about, but it's just in a lot of different ways. And... Um, I have a few subcategories that I write about, and that's basically the, the, the foundation of my content. And uh, I have a very simple Evernote file, and I have about, I don't know, like 119, I'm looking at it right now, 119 content that ideas. So usually when I'm in the shower or I'm like on my bicycle or walking around doing a straw, uh, that's that's usually the moments when I get my, my, my content ideas and then I grab my phone, I update the Evernote and the next morning I have something to write about. So it's actually really simple. Like I know people that use Notion and they use ChatGPT and that that's I think that's, for me, it would be overcomplicated things. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a very effective and simple way for me to, to churn out a lot of content. Sure, sure. So I would like to talk more about the business, uh, you know, the team and other things and and the numbers. But before that, um, I'm eager to learn more about the person, um, you know, behind this innovative idea. Can you can you take us back to your roots? Share with our listeners about your upbringing, your childhood. How did your early experiences shape your journey? Eventually, led to the you know, become the visionary entrepreneur you are. And were there any key influences from your family or surrounding? Uh, Yeah, I love that question. Uh, My my dad, he ran an uh, an advertising and PR agency for about 35 years. Mm -hmm. And so I I was kind of raised with the idea of like people, like my dad was an entrepreneur and my mom, she she used to work in the, they actually met in, uh, um, in the company and she used to work uh, at, at my dad's firm for mm-hmm. for a, a number of years 
Um, and I already remember when I was 10 years old, I was a bit cocky back then, I guess. And I told my dad, like, yeah, I'm going to do the same stuff that you do. I'm just going to do it better. Mm-hmm. And he actually reminds me of this uh, every once, one, once a year or twice, uh, like every two years. Yeah. And he always tells me with a, with a kind of like a spurk on his face. Um, and that's actually what I, what I started doing. So when I was in college, I, like I used to be a bartender as an extra job for eight years. And I, when I was 24, I was still in college. I thought, okay, this is enough. Like I don't really get paid much. Um, and I, I have this degree or like I did a, a study in graphic design and I thought, okay, I, I might be able to monetize this in some kind of way. So mm-hmm. I posted an ad on uh, like a Craigslist kind of website in the Netherlands and mm-hmm. people found me and I got my first logo design gigs and that went better than expected. And at some point I met my, my then co-founder uh, at my, uh, in my studies, like he was a classmate and he used to, create WordPress websites. And that was like a really good combination of identity work and websites. So we joined forces. Uh, we started working together as a, as a team. And that w- I think was in the second year, we, we got an office. It was a typical like garage kind of idea. It didn't have any windows. It was like a 35, 40 degrees in the summer and very cold in the winter. Um, and we, we started working there for, I think, one year until we got uh, two interns and then we moved to a bigger office and we got bigger clients. And at some point um, we got a bigger office than that. And we were with a team of nine to 10 people. Um, and that was, that was like the, the, the peak of, of the agency. We were doing really well. It was really also really stressful, but you have to not only do projects, but also manage clients, manage people. Uh, like we had a lot of overhead, which also is like something that you need to take into account as an agency owner. Like you have to pay for the the, way, the, the, the salaries and the, the office and su- supplies and stuff. Um, so it was, it was a huge change. Um, it was very stressful. We took on too much work. So uh, we grew, we definitely grew too fast. And um, at some point after six years, my co-founder got a job offer from one of our clients and he took it. Um, and that was the moment that I thought, okay, now I, I have to make the decision if I'm either going to do this thing myself mm-hmm. uh, on my own, or I'm going to choose my own path. And I chose the, the, the latter. And there was one uh, person who took over the company um, and then I, basically took a short break um, of a few months and then I started going back into freelancing. And then I took uh, uh, two interim positions at uh, uh, scale-ups, like tech scale-ups on a unicorn trajectory. And I did that for, I think about two years until I realized, okay, this is not really the, the, the thing that I signed up for. I want to do like entrepreneurship. I want to do business. So I quit and that was up, up until the point that I started going uh, to do business mentoring and started doing my thing on LinkedIn. Hmm. Got it. Got it. So you, you always had this entrepreneurship, um, you know, uh, uh, built in inside you because of your dad, because he always, you know, 
have had that uh, from from your childhood perspective. Um, so that's good. That's always a positive um, thing to have uh, when you want to go on the entrepreneur journey. So let's let's talk about the business then. That can you give us the size of the business, where you are in terms of you know capital, and then number of customers, size of team, etc. Yeah, sure. So I, since I started about 13 months ago, I had about 25 clients and I did six figures in revenue, low six figures, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's um, I, I think I'm 90%, 95%, I do everything myself. So content, uh, because I simply just like it and it's my own, like my own signature, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do outsource like administrative stuff like uh, bookkeeping and accountancy. But um, I try to keep as lean as possible because I know what it's like to have a team. Mm-hmm. And it does have its perks, but it's also something that can weigh you down or not necessarily weigh you down, but it's just four factors to keep in, in, in uh, into account. And I, uh, I tend to travel. I tend to do everything like remotely. So, yeah. As said, I would, I'm trying to keep the number of team members or contractors to a minimum. Mm, mm, got it, got it. So, so it's it sounds like you know you know I don't know if you know this uh, guy from US. He runs a design agency uh, by by himself, and he makes uh, around I think I think a couple of millions a year. Um, he's very design Joy. Ah, that's the one. Design yeah. Joy. Yeah. Brent. I think yeah. his name is yeah. 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 And um, yeah, his, 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 his revenue model is amazing. It's like, you know, you subscribe mm-hmm. to it and then you just send him the instruction what you need and then you get the output and it's boom, you have the, the money in your account. It's amazing. That's great. So, so can, you, can you share a compelling case study that highlights how a company leveraged, you know, content agency solution to achieve success and, their, and solve their key business challenges. And I, I would love to hear about the specific problems they faced, the steps taken to improve, uh, you know, uh, their, 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 their business and the measurable outcomes they experience as a result. Sure. So as said, like usually I work with people who are agency founders and what I usually struggle with is that they don't really have a strategy and they tried a bunch of things themselves. They tried random posting, random interaction, and it either gets them a little bit of traction, but, uh, but usually no leads yet. And they solely rely on word of mouth, outbound ads that don't work. And they basically just lose time and money on tactics with poor ROI. And they also have to juggle with like, other, their clients and their team and their business and content creation just basically tough. It, it costs a lot of time, right? Like you either have to like it, you have to have the time for it, or you're going to outsource it. So uh, these are a bunch of challenges that my clients face. And um, I basically help them to create uh, growth content, which is like the content that uh, gets you to write eyeballs and makes you pop on your your customer's radar and also influence of your space. And I help them with creating authority building content, uh, which positions them as an authority, like a thought leader, if you will, and as a go-to person to their ideal clients. Um, and lastly, I help them create uh, lead generating content. And if you're familiar with that, this, like this, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but they usually call it like tofu, mofu, bofu. It's like a funnel. Yeah. Um, and, it, and the bottom funnel uh, layer would be like feature generating content that nurture that uh, after nurturing your ideal customers, 
uh, we share content that Blazor targets them, and they basically it basically tells them that they should buy from uh, uh, tells their audience to buy from them. Okay. And so, does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does indeed. And I, I was about to say that. Do you help them produce the top of the funnel content, or also the bottom, or all of them? How does that? Actually- yeah all of them yeah so this is exactly the strategy that i use for my own company as well and it proved them to be very uh, effectively in terms of lead generation obviously otherwise i would be uh, operating it myself and it's it's a it's a mix of content that is very vital to nurture your 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 potential customers because uh there's a like there's also a bunch of SaaS companies who solely focus on uh, tofu content and it gives them a lot of awareness but it doesn't tell people that they should actually buy from them so the next mm-hmm. layer would be authority building content that basically explains uh, their clients and customers like they're actually um uh qualified to uh, to be considered as a potential uh agency to buy from mm-hmm. and that's usually the stuff that tells uh, their clients their customers um uh, about their experience, about their expertise, what they do, how they solve problems, and why they are the go-to person for those kinds of customers. Indeed. And then, yeah, the, the, the bottom layer that I just mentioned is stuff that basically wheels them in after a bunch of uh, time nurturing them. And it's never just one post, it's never one week. It's, it's always a sequence of a mix of these posts, this, of this content spread over sometimes weeks but usually months mm. Mm. and and when you do this um onboarding sessions with your agency so first question is do you only work with agencies so it's where your ideal customer profile is agency owners right yes yes yeah so is that limited are, are you are you also um opening up with SaaS founders for example like somebody like me i run a SaaS business um myself and what is the difference subtle difference between uh, helping out an agency and then potentially if you if you work in the say SaaS space how, how are you going to tackle that that's, that's an interesting interesting question um so the the reason why i let's say target uh, agency founders is because I used to run one myself. So it's very close to me. But um, as you said, you you run an agency business yourself and I used to work for two SaaS companies. So it's definitely not something that I would exclude. And I think founders in general, uh, let's say the tech slash SaaS space uh, in marketing, that would be like my ideal clients. Right. Okay. That's great. And so, so now I'm going to share some pain points we have in our SaaS space, right? So a lot of people I interview, they're SaaS founders, and and you know as you know that this podcast is also about the SaaS products and and founders. Um, the, the 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 challenge we face is either the SaaS founder is uh, somebody who comes from a sales or or business development background where they know the industry very well and they have understood the pain points and they wanted to create a SaaS product. Or the founder it comes from a tech background where the, the founder understands the pain point and he, he or she knows how to resolve it with the, with the SaaS product. Uh, it's very rare that you will find both the skill set in one person. So the, 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 the pain comes from both sides. So if the person is tech, then the person doesn't know how to get 
each in front of the customers, which is like the ideal problem in any business. If the person is in sales or business development, he doesn't know how to produce the, the good product. So obviously the second scenario we can talk later, but the first one is I'm interested more. How, how the founders should approach to build the audience and figure out their, you know, because sometimes they don't even know their niches. Yeah, um, I like that. Uh, that uh, um, I work, but like I mentioned, I work with a bunch of SaaS companies and, and tech startups, and they always have the same problem. Like if we were to create a brand identity, but mostly the website, mm-hmm. um, the founder and like other tech-oriented people, they would always... Um, it, well, I wouldn't say interfere, but they wanted to uh, create content on the website that was very techy, like very difficult, complex, uh, text heavy. And I always tell them like, yeah, um, you, you need to create content that it's easy to read for everyone. Like you have to explain it to someone like they're, like they're five, for instance, or maybe like 12 years old. That's why I always write my content in third grade uh, writing level, like level uh, third grade writing. And that's something that I noticed with a lot of SaaS founders. Um, so I think the biggest challenge here is that you, uh, you don't write tech words, like buzzwords, uh, lengthy content, um, but ha- have someone help them to uh, simplify it and make it digestible for their audience. So I think that's the biggest challenge that uh, they, uh, they should solve. Is that, does that answer your question? Well, it, it, does, uh, it does partially because, because now I understand that if you're a founder, you're in a SaaS space, what you have to, what you have to focus is making it simple to understand, your, mm-hmm. to understand the pain point and explain it to your audience. Um, and obviously, you know, every, different, if every business has a different uh, approach uh, towards, uh, you know, go-to-market strategy, generating leads, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What, is your, what is your suggestion in terms of, um, you know, specifically towards SaaS founders in terms of approaching before launch of the product and after launch of the product? Because there are <clears throat> different phases, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I think there, there must be, there is a distinction between how usually like SaaS or corporates do content marketing because the stuff that I do is solely based on personal profiles on LinkedIn. I like, I don't do any business pages because people buy from people. And I think that's very relevant in this situation as well. So if you're talking about like a a product launch or whatever, usually when like my experience with SaaS companies and tech companies that they would go like, I do gated content, white papers, uh, like one pagers, like PDFs, uh, what have you, webinars, and they're always chasing for email addresses. And I think that's a mistake because you want to make content accessible because the the conversion is in the content, not necessarily in collecting emails. Sure, like it helps as well, but it, it wouldn't be my strategy. So my point of view is that I like let's say if I take you on as a client, I would mm-hmm. interview you. I would ask you about your background, about your history, about your knowledge, about your expertise, and about your business, of course. And then I, we would create a content strategy that is not necessarily focused on your product. Mm-hmm. Um, but always ties back to your product and business in a very personal 
way that it actually resonates with people. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, this is this is gold because mostly the founders are focused about their product, their features of the product, and how uh, they can help other people to solve their problems. They never talk about themselves or connect it with their personal story. So this is really good. Um, so okay, let's 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 take a detour about, and and and. I would like to know more about, can you share a moment when you were faced with a tough customer whom you had to deny? How did you manage that situation? And what was the reason you denied it if there was any customer whom you had to? Okay. Um, so I, I, there's a, like a, a certain qualification that needs to be in place, right? Not, not necessarily in terms of budget, which is also yeah. vital, but also... Uh, you have you got to have a certain baseline. There's there need, needs to be like a a minimum number of, of followers that they have. They already it would be very helpful if they already produce content. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're just going to be out of the blue, and then it's going to be taking a, a lot of heavy lifting. So I didn't used to do this back in the day. I would accept more people, and I thought, okay, I can help anybody. And then mm-hmm. I learned, okay, you actually need some like some. Uh, um, some traction, like already momentum to get things started. Um, so that's something that I pay attention to. Um, one other thing that I would say is that if if I stumble upon people and they ask me like, "Hey, do you uh, can you help me?" Like I'm I'm almost desperate. I uh, what's your price? And usually I wouldn't go like share my 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 rates uh, out of the gate because it sends a, a different message, right? Because you don't want to talk about pricing you want to uh because then it's perceived as a cost rather than an investment you want to talk about their ideal outcomes and if that if that's actually something that you can fix so usually when i uh stumble upon people who are very desperate to get leads i turn down because it's too much pressure on them it's it it feels like they're spending their last money as a last resort and that's a bad way to go so you you actually want to work with people who are already let's say comfortable with things and build a little bit of momentum themselves. Um, so it will be easier to create a win-win for the both of us. Indeed. Indeed. That's uh, that's good to know. Um, so, so talk to us more about LinkedIn. Is there some kind of tricks or tips you would like to give our listeners? Does producing content constantly Publishing it on LinkedIn helps your profile to get into in front of more people. What is the what is the um, you know uh, tips uh, which each and every founder should follow in order to get more visible? Yeah, so yeah, like content, especially in the beginning, if you're just starting out, it's not easy to to think about like okay, what am I going to write about? What is this going to do? How do I deal with people? Uh, not responding on it. Um, and uh, in terms of content, you really need to know what you're going to write about because I've seen founders write about AI, about LinkedIn growth, and about other like random stuff like trends or hypes, and which is all fine if it's actually your business model. But if it isn't, it's going to confuse the people uh, to a point that they are not going to buy from you and they don't really get what you're saying. Hmm. So I would always say, like, tell my clients, Talk about you and talk about what you do for others. Like how you can, even if you don't have any clients or uh, just like long, long to, like you haven't had any clients for a while, 
mm-hmm. and start writing about how you are going to make this thing possible for yourself, like how you would build your own business, how you dealt with uh, certain situations and how you dealt with problems, how you solve them, failures, wins. And I think it's such an obvious thing to write about, but I see a lot of people who just don't do it and they just keep writing uh, like random stuff and that it doesn't get them anywhere. And then eventually they will give up. So bottom line, write about what you do, about what you do for others, if you have the case studies and the proof for it, and do it continuously. Like, don't give up after a few weeks. Uh, you have to do it as at least three months to get to get their routine going and really make it a habit. Mm-hmm. And you can't really expect things to happen very like in, within a few weeks, although it's possible if you get help. Like, I had clients who had eight inbound leads from, from the first post, um, but it's not like something that happens overnight, uh, usually. So yeah, name of the game is patience, consistency, uh, uh, and resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And any, any particular, um, um, you know, um, tools do you use or you use just LinkedIn to post, publish any scheduling tools? You, you already mentioned you don't, but I'm just asking, you know, how no, do you I, I tried Daplio and I liked it in the beginning because it's good for generating ideas and commenting that fast on other people. Um, at some point I got a ban from LinkedIn I, uh, because of a third, third party uh, tool. And they said I would automate things. And I think Daplio and Shield were the only tools that I uh, used. So I got rid of them. Turned out that I um, didn't have premium and I was, uh, when I would have a post up and I would uh, like open up profiles for people who would enter, interact with my stuff. Mm-hmm. I had like 15 tabs open and then it was perceived or flagged as, as automation. So I can't blame the tools, but um, it pushed me to do uh, a post every morning and that worked for me better than rather just batching and scheduling it. The one tool that I still use, and I would highly recommend it, is Authored Up, which is basically like a mock-up tool. Uh, it like it rolls up a window, and you can write in it, and you can see what it looks like on mobile, on tablet, and on desktop. And I always mm-hmm. keep it on mobile, so I can see how long it is. And it definitely pushes me to uh, be very short in my words, in my sentences, in my like I usually don't do paragraphs. Um, and I would say that, that the sh- to, to a certain extent, that the, if you, you, you keep writing in short sentences and short words, it mm. will be better digestible for your audience. So that's why Author It Up helps, uh, helps a lot. Yeah, I just Googled it and it looks promising on the front page. Are you using it from a very long time or recently you discovered it? I think about three, four months ago. So it's mm-hmm. relatively recently, but uh, I think, yeah, now it's, it, it's, it's free, but they're going to make it a pay tool. And I totally understand that I would happily invest in it. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Great. Yeah, you know, Nick, I've been enjoying this conversation so much that I want to go and go, but, you know, we are heading towards the end. 
so i have to i have to get to towards uh, our lightning round so before going into the lightning round what i would like is you know throughout your journey and experience there must have been valuable lessons learned you know if you don't mind sharing could you reflect on your experiences uh, that tells us about one mistake or a setback that you encountered along the way that you now consider maybe not a regret but a lessons learned and what advice would you give our listeners based on this experience yeah, sure. So when I just started out uh, doing content, I like usually when you start out, you you meet you you stumble upon guys like Justin Welsh and Dan Coe, who are absolute content machines, and they've been doing this for years, like very successfully. Uh, and then you think, okay, I need I gotta have a, a newsletter. Maybe I should do a podcast. I do should do like a digital product, and I do content. I do interaction. Um, I, I tried all of them in the beginning without an audience. So that was a huge mistake because it took me a lot of time and it's like an easy way to get burned out fast or to give up. Um, so I canceled all these things. I did this when I had like 1500 followers. Uh, I tried a uh, digital product, didn't work. I tried uh, the newsletter, so I paused it. And now I just focused on uh, creating good content and improve my content. So that was, that's a mistake that I, I've made myself, but I also see other people do it. Like they jump from one shiny object to the next one and then yeah. they give up, which is, a, which is a waste. So uh, long story short, aim for su sustainable growth and there's mm -hmm. a time and place for adding new assets. Great advice. I think that will help a lot of our founders because exactly as you mentioned, that's we we see an object and we jump on it and then we see oh it's not working and then we jump on another one and it's it's always a good idea to be consistent great let's let's uh, uh let's uh, um jump into the lightning round that because we are heading towards the end so i've got six yeah. quiet questions for you you know just try to answer them as quickly as you can you ready yeah oh, great what's one of the best pieces of business advice you have received Aim for sustainable growth. Mm. Mm. Good one. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, I would recommend Atomic Habits because it taught me to focus on one thing uh, in a sustainable way rather than to jumping all these shiny objects. And uh, it prevented me to, from going too fast and give up. Good one. I have to add that into my reading list. Um, What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Yeah, I feel, I feel, it feels like I'm being repetitive now, but I would say patience and resilience uh, mm -hmm. because like most people talk about consistency, which is kind of a buzzword, but mm -hmm. you need to have a long-term mindset and willing to do many repetitions and have like choose routines over motivation. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Uh, I would say routines again, like mm -hmm. routines, they beat consistency, motivation, and often discipline. So, Great stuff. What's a new or a crazy business idea you would love to pursue if you had the time and money? Ooh. I need to think about that one. What would be a crazy idea if I had the time and money? I think like, so... This is going to be a little bit longer, a longer answer, I would say. Um, I think, like, I love to do workations. Like, I prefer working abroad 
rather than doing vacations. Like, and that, um, I'm actually going on a trip for six months in September uh, with the family, and I've been doing them more often. So I think one of my it would be a crazy idea, but one of my goals would be to instead of teaching other people on LinkedIn how to do inbound lead generation and stuff on LinkedIn, I would probably want to organize a, mas a mastermind in a, an exotic place in a, in a villa or like a nice setting near the beach with good food music like having good good vibes with like-minded people and just do like a week of workshops uh and presentations and business stuff um so it's it's a small idea but i think i would be very happy to do it you should definitely do it i would totally sign up for it because <laughs> what's, what's what's better than going on a vacation learning a, a skill set or something about improving your business going out for like good food you know roaming around like for for a bit of time and then doing the same thing for the week with the best minds in the industry right yeah i i love it yeah great well, um, and the last question is, uh, what's an interesting or fun fact about you uh, that most people don't know? Um, ooh, oh, that's, a good, that's a tough one. Is that going to be personal or business-wise? You can share both. All right. I have a weird addiction to mayonnaise. I put it pretty much on everything, mm -hmm. uh, except for pasta, because that's just gross. <laughs> um, and do I have anything else? No, I'm a pretty normal guy uh, besides that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I saw your picture, you know, you posted when you were working out in the gym, I was like, you know what? I never take pictures in the gym. I should take a picture in the gym and then put it on LinkedIn yeah. because so much, so much interaction on that. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing trick. It was very impressive. I, yeah, that was a good one. It's not a fun fact, I would say, but I definitely love hitting the gym and uh, actually posting a picture about it is, was uh, a hurdle for me. But uh, yeah. It did well, and I didn't flex or anything because I was absolutely exhausted in that picture. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Got my ass kicked by my uh, my trainer. Yeah, great. Well, Link, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story, unpacking the last uh, years of building this business and some of the ups and downs along the way. If people want to check out um, your profile, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, I would say the DMs, like they can find me on my uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, you just do linkedin.com and then mm -hmm. I think N and then my last name, maybe you can put it up somewhere because it's Dutch and it's hard to pronounce in English. Sure. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm open to any DMs and uh, yeah, if they have any questions about lead generation or LinkedIn growth or then uh, I'm all up for it. Perfect. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your inspiring journey and the impactful work you're doing through Content Agency. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Sauce Stories Podcast. This was a lot of fun and a trip uh, down to memory lane. So uh, thanks a lot for having me. All right. Cheers.